So welcome back to this ridiculous political experiment we are calling the Nigerian scam. So we're just recording a brief intro to our most recent episode where we spoke about, amongst other things, the recent Twitter ban um, and how that fits within our whole project here and uh, ongoing conversation about the Nigerian scam. But before all of that, how are you guys doing? Well, I'm fine. Besides the fact that walk no green is sea front. Well, we're doing good. Just trying to stay, <laughs> yeah, working and focused. See, <laughs> and functioning inside of this camp. Uh, relatable. Um. But anyway, good. Uh, at least we finally made it back to doing recordings. Uh, and. Yeah, I mean, work, as Emeka says, life, um, work life and politics, etc., have kept us away from the recording for the past few months. But um, I think we intend to be back with a vengeance, back like we never left. So, yeah, it's good to be back. It's nice to reconnect with these guys. And in the interim, we've also picked up a world-class producer who some folks uh, who are listening to this might even already know from TV, newspapers, or sort of art and music scene in Nigeria, uh, an individual called Turner Iwa. Um, so that's been good. That's injected some new energy into our whole enterprise here. And he's also very kindly been helping us uh, edit and sort of troubleshoot our audio. So hopefully in the next few episodes, we should notice some dramatic improvements in our recording and if we d- if you don't then you know who to dm um and yeah th- that don't dm me uh, <laughs> you can dm emeka um but also turner <laughs> so yeah actually you hear his voice a bit on the uh, on the recording that we're introing right now um so you know if you, if you hear an unfamiliar very um gentle voice that's 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 turner so yeah, I mean, in the episode that we were we recorded recently, we were talking about the Twitter ban um, and about some of the ins and outs of it that don't seem to have really been covered in um, a lot of the kind of social media and media conversation that has emerged um, so far, reflecting that. So, what do you guys think? How, how did we do in, in, in covering Twitter ban? Are there aspects of the conversation that you feel we didn't cover, you know, as much as you would have liked to? Or are there things that we did cover that you thought we did a particularly good job discussing? What do you guys think? Emeka, I can see your hand as well. Uh, I, I, I think um, if you ask me, we broached, you know, all the issues that needed to be broached. If, that's my own opinion. Um, what we didn't discuss at the time only just broke out as news, you know, within the week, which is, you know, the fact that um, um, the Twitter ban might be lifted soon um, because the Nigerian government uh, has found ways to reach some kind of truce with with Twitter. So yeah, that's perhaps something you know, to keep in mind. Um, I agree with you, Mika. Um, at the same time, you know, it's um, very important to understand that 
um, these conversations help us to broaden our scope as regards the nature of um, or the context that we're inside of and of course how um, our ruling class maneuver to have control on society be it new or old technologies from print press to social media that we have now you know so it's it's really noteworthy um to uh, and very important to bring that to the forefront and let people understand that you know the ruling class that banned twitter today will also try to do other things to firm up their control over society you know as long as you have this antagonistic order between us and them you know so it's very very important to point out that fact mm. yeah fair point i mean but how about this unbanning of twitter which is a really good point to raise like so does that invalidate part of what we are saying or does it you know does it reinforce some of what we are saying or is it a separate matter entirely I don't think so because first and foremost, we don't know the conditions that's leading to the unbanning. We don't know if Twitter has allowed for more stricter surveillance or more access to information. We don't know the details yeah. of what facilitated this unbanning. So as citizens, we have to be on the case and try to see what the, the um, you know details of these conditions you know are. You understand? So I. I wouldn't go to sleep because they've unbanned it. Actually, I'll, I'll be more on guard to know if, you know, the Nigerian state has had, you know, a bit more grip on Twitter to have access to our information, you know, or have it where they snap their fingers, you know. So I, you know, I don't see it as a full win. You know, I just feel like we're more, um, we just have to be more careful and try to know what the conditions for this unbanning Ah, you know, so yeah, that's it. Yeah, uh, so I agree. I agree. I agree. We, I agree with a bit of what OJ just said. Um, but I think that we have a fair bit of idea um, why, you know, um, the government has decided that um, it might unban Twitter. I mean, and and we, I mean, what it is 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 this is Twitter has agreed to set up an office in Nigeria. You know, what that means for government, the state's control is what we might, you know, uh, what might reveal itself in, in the coming weeks. But we do know uh, that first things first, that Twitter has agreed to set up some office or a desk, you know, in, in, in Nigeria. Um, there's a bit of furrow you know, months back when Twitter decided to set up its headquarters in Ghana, you know, and then Nigerians took to Twitter saying, uh, why, why Ghana, why, you know, so I'm pointing out why, you, you know, for obvious reasons, state control being one of them, that Ghana might, was just probably the best place to to, to site its head, headquarters. Yeah, so I think we, we do know, you know, not much, but that's that's good enough reason. Whether it's Essentially, because the Nigerian state wants to exert some kind of control on Twitter, you know, would find out in, in the coming weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think part of my concern that I expressed in the in the wider episode with the whole thing is that, I mean, like so- social media has come to be viewed by certain wings of the kind of middle class civil society here as this sort of neutral tool that exists almost entirely to 
provide avenues for Nigerians to air grievances against the government or, you know, provides this kind of like free space for people to organize political dissent and such. Um, I mean, why that concerns me? I mean, of course, some of that is correct. Some of that we've seen in like protest movements such as NSARS or which we talked about. And even before that occupied. But I mean, I was arguing in the show and I continue to argue that like still, despite some of those openings, social media is not neutral at all. Like it, it also comes with the agenda of the, like businesses, the multi-million dollar enterprises that provide these platforms. So, you know, some people might see the um, unbanning of Twitter as like some sort of progress, some sort of marker of progress for Nigerian civil society. Oh, we've gotten our main avenue for civic advocacy and for, you know, like fighting authoritarianism back. But I think it's like a mixed picture. You know, I think that, you know, yeah, maybe that some of that space that exists to the extent that it existed at all, you know, um, has returned. Um, but so has, as OAG is saying, so has probably increased amounts of government surveillance. And also so has, so have the interests of Twitter itself, right? Like, because the reason why it was pushing to have its platform on band is not because it's like the guardian of civic space in Nigeria and that it wants to have Nigerians air out their voices, but it's because it wants to increase engagement in the largest market in Africa. Um, so I guess to me, like once again, this just goes to show that, you know, to rehash what Oichi said, like in a context of like traumatic class inequality, um, these like political maneuvers are not neutral at all. And they don't tend to down to the benefit of the majority of people, um, particularly if we don't have kind of organizational mechanisms of our own that can actually fight for our interests. So when it's the government negotiating with Twitter on our behalf or Twitter negotiating with the government on our behalf, it's not on our behalf, right? It's on their behalf. It's about them having more, the government having more surveillance capabilities or Twitter having more market share and very little about our own capacity to hold our government accountable or to organize protests or that sort of thing, despite the fact that occasionally we manage to do that. Is that too harsh? I don't know. I think with time we'll see, you know, how the agreement between Twitter and the Nigerian state plays out, as Emika said. But, you know, there's this hunch uh, in me that just says that, look, what you're getting from the state, especially this kind of ruling class that we have, it's not all... You know, yeah, they want to set up an office, but it essentially means more control on what's happening on Twitter and, you know, being able to move faster and deal decisively with Twitter if, you know, they allow certain things on their platform, you know. So we'll see how much that will be for the freedom, uh, for the enterprise of freedom and liberation for the country. And we'll see how much that means for the progress of Twitter as a company and a, and a comp- corporate entity. So we'll see how those two things play out in the Nigerian context or the Nigerians' camp. Yeah, to, to, to second side, um, 
yeah, I, I, I'd say that um, Twitter also has, you know, a lot to gain from, you know, the, the, the truce, you know, with the Nigerian government. Um, and and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm a bit suspicious of, of Jack Dorsey myself, you know, I'm very hesitant to, you know, because he, you know, comes up once in a while with, you know, very funny tweets. So yesterday, I think I read passing that he put out a tweet to the effect that maybe Nigeria has thirty-two percent of 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 the cryptocurrency market or in Africa or something something to that effect, you know. And um, I don't know. I I I really don't know what that means. You know, if if it's true. I mean, and it's also, it can also be contested, you know, it's where I mean, so I'm not sure whether he said Africa or whether he said, you know, the world, but, but I, I really don't know, you know, why he's in the front line pushing this whole cryptocurrency thing. And I mean, maybe down the line, we, we might have to also think about, you know, all this buzz around cryptocurrency within the Nigerian, you know, um, states, you know, by Nigerians generally, because I, I don't know, but yeah, so that's 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 where that's I just thought to chip that in here. Yeah. No, it's a strong point. I definitely agree, and I think it's something that we, we should consider coming back to because of the interesting like class and political implications, um, and because of how seemingly directly it ties into our themes of the scam, <laughs> uh, you know. And there's always something to say about Nigerians on the internet and money. Um, and cryptocurrency is never far away from that conversation. But um, I think we should probably just start the show now uh, in the interest of time and then maybe come back to some of these themes in later episodes. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right, cool. So let's roll then. get going we wanted to kind of catch up on some of the events that have taken place in the past few months while we've been away that seem relevant to the kinds of topics we tend to engage with on the show so to begin i thought we'd talk a bit about the twitter ban um and the relevance of that to politics and you know nigerian history and and social life or the irrelevance of that, as the case may be. Um, so, I mean, how do you how do you guys respond to that? Like, how, how have you what, what Twitter ban go? Yeah, what are your thoughts? So, um, yeah, for me, from my own end, I, I do. I, I really, um, I think, I'm more interested in the politics of of the ban. Um, yeah, I guess what what I'm trying to say here is, I mean, the first question to ask. Why? Why was Twitter banned in Nigeria? You know, really. I mean, um, is the government right? Should we read, you know, Twitter's own interference? You know, by interference. Well, I think what I mean is that basically, you know, 
the fact that they went ahead to delete tweets by the Nigerian president. So should that be read as some kind of imperialism, you know, and um, would the government response be mm. one, you know, that matched, you know, the act in the first place? And <clears throat> what it also means for, you know, citizens who um, kind of use that platform to vent, you know, have conversations and basically also do a lot of trading, you know, businesses, so-called vendors and, and, and all whatnot. Yeah, so um, beyond, so, so the, the way I approach it is, you know, from, you know, that standpoint, you know, and then also to check and see how much of what it means for small-scale businesses or small and medium-scale uh, Okay, approach it now. You're raising the questions, but you're not really <laughs> no, I mean, no, I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I mean, I'm just putting it out there. I don't know if I, I, I have the, I have the data to, into any detailed analysis, but I'm just saying that that's <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I totally hear you. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's one way to go at, at it. I mean, to go at the conversation or to start yeah, the um, yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, to to add a little bit more flesh to what Emeka said, like from our own analysis, there are, there are some things that can coexist mm. in the same space. You know, the yin and yang, the unity of opposites, all those kind of things, like. So monopoly of the media space, social media space, and uh, the technological advancement of you know countries, of, of course imperial countries and all, would give them the power to do things like that, you know. And then the unity of the opposite again is the nature of the ruling class down in Africa that is useless to start with. So <laughs> those those nonsense um, behavior that our ruling class or our leaders that they have as pseudo-elites, lead them down to the line of thinking that they can effect a ban when materially they are not technologically advanced to any level to, to impact any ban on any level. So, But they keep stroking their own ego, thinking that they can effect anything. It's the same way they you know, like having big, grandiose uh, appearances mm. outside, and then, but they, are, they, they have no stop inside. You know, so that ban is showing that they are pseudo elites and that they don't have any technological advancement. They can't, they, can, they don't even have the material advancement to effect a ban which they can just say in name because the world is moving past crude control. You know, it's more of a propaganda control, information control. And then when you're a country that is backward and that is non productive, that does it, that hasn't advanced technology to any level, then you can only say it by your words of mouth, but it won't amount to any material change on the ground. You know, it's the same way they make promises mm-hmm. and nothing happens. So it's the it's the same side of that coin or the opposite side of that same coin, you know, where you have people, at least that have an overbloated ego. I'm not saying that, you know, just unilaterally deleting the president's tweet you know, mm-hmm. it's not something that we can look at with a with an eye of scrutiny. You know, but I'm saying that those two things can sit at the same place, and then we can analyze Twitter's um, behavior and also go more, you know, to analyze our own leadership's behavior. Because I still feel that the principal contradiction in this Nigeria is the ruling class. If we deal with our own ruling class, then if we have a revolutionary government and we have Twitter banning or counting our tweets, the whole country in unison can say, oh, they are doing nonsense. Yeah. 
But, well, the tweet itself was inflammatory to some <laughs> sectors of the society. So, it's just, I'm just trying to go in that uh, that um, direction to make us see how, <laughs> how multifaceted that mm-hmm. fan and then the and then the Twitter division, you know. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Was, yeah. So, okay. yeah. After you, Michael. So, so let me let me just throw this. Let me throw this in real quick. Yeah, before I, you know, then has a go. I, I think I think that um, I mean that there's a certain school of thought out there that believes that uh, first things first, that the ban itself was some kind of witch hunt against Twitter right. for its role during the NSAS um, saga, you know, and, and I think that that's, you know, a valid point of view. But I think that, um, like OA just pointed out, I can, I have enough headspace to hold that as valid as well as say that, um, that Twitter might have crossed the line just a little bit by deleting, I mean, um, we all saw how Twitter itself handled um, Donald Trump, you know, uh, during just before the elections. I mean, or even where while the elections were going on, you know. I mean, they resorted to flagging tweets, you know. Uh, but I didn't see that they kind of deleted any of Trump's own own, own tweets, you know. Um, I don't know what their rules say, and I don't know how much of a line. Um, that tweet crossed within their own rules. But even at that, you'd want to ask how um, they have mm. sort of become habitats of you know, yeah. social media space. I mean, but, but that's, for me, not neither here nor there right now. But I, I mean, I, I, I'm just saying, um, you know, that there might have been um, a reason why, you know, the, the government, the Nigerian government saw, you know, uh, deletion of, of the president's tweet, excuse to go after Twitter and get them to come and sit down on the table and negotiate how, you know, they, they, they're going to operate in the country going forward. But there's also the, the argument that Twitter shouldn't, you know, have gone, you know, that far. So um, I think that good arguments are there and they're on the table and that they're very, very valid um, arguments, yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so there are so many angles to this question, as it turns out, and the more we like, consider it, the more they emerge. Um, I, so one of them is the question of like social media and its like role in gatekeeping information and its own kind of um, its own internal rules and such, right? Um, and like there are, I think there's a perspective that I'm sympathetic to, which is that that rule is uh, that role is somewhat outsized because these are not democratically run organizations. Like these are super hierarchical, hyper capitalist machines that exist in effect to get us to be addicted to their platform. So. Like what they are interested in is continued, continually maximizing engagement with very little concern for the effects that has on society or, or on the psychology of individuals, despite the fact that they claim to care about, you know, the nature of content and their spaces. So, yeah, there's a bit of a double standard. Like 
the kinds of things they let on there and the kinds of things they remove. Um, or even the end goal of like removing or letting on, letting things stay on. Um, and I think like for me, this this is part of what makes the NSARS moment complicated is that, yeah, on the one hand, Twitter played a, a role in the like passive sense insofar as people were, were tweeting and also in the active sense insofar as Twitter created a new image, like help publicize the hashtag, the CEO of Twitter was tweeting about NSARS, et cetera, right? Um, and for me, like, okay, yeah, that supported the movement, got things moving further, helped direct some funding to the movement by kind of putting this sort of hashtag Bitcoin um, link on the map. But on the other hand, like, it primarily was, I mean, you know, you don't have to be a cynic or co conspiracy theorist to see that that did a lot for Twitter as well, right? Like, the point of that is to increase engagement, right? And to, um, like, not say cap not simply cap like capitalize, in effect, on a moment of, like, real social upheaval to make sure that your platform goes as far as possible. Um so to see these guys, I guess, as neutral actors that are just trying to maintain civility or whatever is to remove the market from the consideration, which I think is like childish, you know, at best. Um, and, you know, I, I know this is something all, all of you guys are aware of, but, you know, that kind of conversation as, it, as it's played out in the public arena has sometimes been distressing to me where people see Twitter as like this kind of neutral or even angelic feature or fourth in society was like here to protect, defend the rights of Nigerians to speak their minds. It's like, no, these guys are like, they're like a very, very like nimble enterprise supported by like a very savvy board of directors, <laughs> you know, looking at the global market and understanding that Africa is the future of the global market and the internet. And Nigeria is like a huge engine in that market. So when there's a social or political event going on, you can't miss it in Nigeria and you shouldn't miss it if you if you want to be a serious business. And this is what people in the cryptocurrency industry are very aware of. Like they all, you know, any new like coin or crypto that's issued these days are like our plans for expansion is involves moving into Africa, you know. And like Nigeria had hitherto been the, one of the biggest crypto markets in, in Africa. I think the biggest crypto market in Africa. So, you know, these are not like neutral occurrences when like, you know, these guys decide to act or not act in our context. So, but I agree that one has to hold that in the balance at the same time as one has to also be aware of what our own governments are, what our own government is doing and interested in doing. And the tweet that got deleted was a stupid ass tweet, like, and should have got, you know, like, yeah, I don't know about the politics of deleting stuff because it's like, you know, it's almost kind of like erasing the moment and like then these guys can deny it or whatever. Thankfully, there are receipts. People take screenshots and it's like people write articles about it. But the tweet itself is like, that's something we shouldn't forget because it's something that ordinarily we should be able to use as a political tool to to win, to fight back against these guys. You know, so he, him saying, and I'm going to read, read it, many of those misbehaving today are too young to be aware of the destruction and loss of lives that occurred during the Nigerian Civil War. Those of us in the fields for 30 months who went through the war will treat them in the language they understand. Like, that shit is borderline genocidal, you know? Given how, like, brutal the war was and, like, 
how that quote language they understand often involved like um, indiscriminately targeting civilians. So, which we've already we've already seen take place in the southeast, according to Amnesty reports, according to like you know people who are on ground. So the tweet was wild, like you know, and it's again there's the whole conversation about the way the direction this government appears to be taking um, from the point of view of how it's dealing with dissent. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I completely agree with both of you guys, with all of you guys insofar as it's like, you have to both keep, you have to keep both of those sides of the equation in balance. And then the last thing I'll say on this, I know I've droned on is that, um, I think that the ban, um, and I know people are mostly getting around it via VPN, but the ban also, to me, went to show the extent to which we've overestimated the power of the. We've overestimated how much power social media has given Nigerians, because it's like it's tra- or or how much power the social media enabled or so- social media savvy segments of our society have in our society, because like one thing that seems evident out of the ban is that the folks in power realize that the folks on Twitter are effectively politically um, negligible, <laughs> politically like, um, you know, they're like, they, we, clearly we, they, they don't estimate the political impact of banning Twitter as significant, right? And that says a lot about like their consideration of Twitter as a force in society. It's like, we're going to ban you guys and you can do basically nothing about it except complain and then get, ways to work around it so that you can show us pictures of your food or tweet about your business concerns but it's not going to have any impact on you know it's not going to have any impact on us politically and they were proven right as far as i'm concerned because what you know what has been the upshot (laughs) sorry no that's it like what has been the upshot what's been the consequence so ultimately it's like maybe we we took maybe the folks online i mean ourselves included like took the online space too seriously in thinking that oh you know, this is where the, the battle will be fought and won. And they're like, no, go play somewhere else. We can turn that button off. And all you do about it is like complain or find another way to get on. So you can, you know, look at memes and look at dog videos or whatever. <laughs> what I think essentially is that it's kind of um, should we focus the online guys to understanding the full historical duty on ground. That's fine. Social media and you know any form of media is a tool, but the work still has to be done on the streets. Like mm. if we have organic you know, organizations on the ground, organizations that have feedback with people that meet with them, you know this would this might be a small setback in that we have to now you know be more on the street and everything we want to do has to be face-to-face, but if we were already doing that, it wouldn't be too much of a setback, you know? Mm. And at the same time, we must understand the class of people that are on this social media and their own interests is that it's not fully interwoven with that of the masses of the people yet. No. So that once they make it a bit tough for you to comment on what is political or just, you know, they just make it a bit tough for you to act on on the normal terrain which you would normally have been, then you can just hands off and say, well, maybe we should just go to TikTok and go and relax. 
and doing <laughs> you know that kind of shit you know but people that understand the historical duty on ground now have seen an opening point for the necessity the historical necessity of talking to to people on the ground this is what that highlights you know that's that mm. for me that's that's yeah that makes sense me i think tiktok probably even has better politics <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 like when i get on tiktok and see these generation z people with their purple hair talking about like ending capitalism you know they really say it with their chest mm, like they like they shoes and that's the shoes <laughs> yeah. uh emeka it seems you dropped out are you back i'm here <laughs> i'm here i'm just uh taking it all in uh but it, I don't know. Um, sometimes to wrap one's head around Nigeria is, is, is hard. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's just it's just crazy how. Uh, but you guys are, are are right. I mean, what's what what does it cost to be on Twitter twenty four? What do you think it costs to be on Twitter twenty four seven? Or you know, spend mm. time on Twitter in terms of naira and couple, What would it cost per month? I mean, how many people have that money to dispense with in the first place? So, yeah, I mean, there are people who even on Twitter, but then find a way to regulate, you know, their their, their time on Twitter such that you know uh, they spend say maybe even less than five thousand. But ideally, I think that it will cost at the very least five thousand, you know, and that's if you have it as disposable income. Then the question then becomes, how many people have that much disposable income? So right, like OEG rightly yeah. said, um, <clears throat> the numbers you need you wouldn't get from Twitter. Uh, I remember I, no. I, that one time when um, CEO of, of Twitter, what's his name now? Um, Jack Dorsey. George Dorsey, yeah, was in Nigeria. He, I think he pointed out to. I think it's Jack. Yeah, Jack. Yeah, Jack Dorsey. That um, that Nigeria didn't have much you know digital footprint as far as as twitter was concerned and people didn't you know people so that like you said that that whole um overestimation over exaggeration of, of numbers you know when you can't confirm them you know so it's 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 a yeah it's a small network of of people who are just talking and even even when you say 40 million i, I doubt that you have half that number who are active like seriously active yeah, so it might be 40 million users, but yeah, many of those users are probably businesses set up by the same people. Like the 40, or, 40 million number has actually never been verified. And then I've seen some stats where it, the number seems to be more along the 5 million. That's what that, that's what I think, if you ask me, honestly. I don't see... Same. And also, by the way, like I think the sort of Nigerians on Twitter question often involves also Nigerians in Canada or... Yeah, that trains the diaspora. So and, and Said hear this. I mean, there there's a large chunk. I mean, Twitter is 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 compartmentalized in that sense. So you have those who talk politics all day, you understand, and then you have yeah, them just totally. to, to to sell, you know, their markets as as it goes. <laughs> but yes. you also have people who come there for soft porn. Oh yeah. You have people who come there for all sorts of things. Yeah, all the Tumblr, all the right. people who migrated so, from Tumblr to Twitter because they blocked on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, and you don't find that these guys are interested in you know political conversations or such. So when you even talk about you know Twitter and in whatever the political numbers, guys, when you, when you say the political Twitter, what number do you think that you know 
I mean, it's it's insignificant. So there's not really nothing that yeah. with NSAS, it was a totally different ball game, you know, um, because there were, you know, series of events that had led to that, and that had happened outside, you know, the the the, the uh, digital space. I mean, these were things that happened physically on the ground. But this conversation about whether people think Twitter is, I mean, it is, you know, for certain conversations, um, but within a certain class of, of people. Beyond which, I don't think that there's anything that anybody can do about what the government says. I mean, in yeah. protest, all you can do is get a VPN. Yeah. I, I, should, I should ask, do you, do you not think finding ways around the ban is doing something? Well, that's what I said. I mean, I think in protest... You- well, maybe I didn't frame that question right. Yeah, not, not... I mean, outside of the protest, but just in general... You know, when a government, the government of a people determine that something is bad for the people, or whatever the law is that is put in place, if those people find a way around that law, is that not doing something? I think doing something in Nigerian history, the kind of doing something that has tended to be effectual from the point of view of having a political influence, is when we do something together in an organized fashion. You know, so it it was organizations like sometimes organized hierarchically, other times organized in a little less, a little more democratic way. But it was organizations that pushed the military out of power. Um, like it was organized resistance that, you know, won the very menial concessions that like working people and the poor have won in this country, some of which are now have now been beat back. And of course, it was organized resistance that ended the colonial state. Now, we're now in an era where resistance to the state is fractured through everybody's individual profile. Like, you know, and we're now speaking to our followers who are just this like group of fans, not necessarily a, like any active political exactly, players. Exactly. Or any sort of structured um like members in some sort of like organizational format with a clear accountability structure. No, it's like, it's even more hierarchical than the ordinary life because you tweet and then your followers get to comment about it. And then you pick the ones that you want to engage with or whatever. So it's now this like hyper atomized and alienated form of social life. I mean, thankfully it's not for a lot of people like everybody's a leader. (laughs) So, you know, thankfully, as we've said, like within our context, it's not the, bullshit 40 million you know and it's it's way less right so thankfully it doesn't it's not subsumed all of the previous forms of sociality that existed before and of course it can't have that power thankfully but like if resistance means just being able to log back into your own individual profile and update your profile picture or you know again post pictures of your lunch or make some like veiled kind of insult to your ex-girlfriend or whatever then like i is that really taking us further as a society or is that really just continuing the like the self-obsession of middle-class like individuals who can afford the 5k for non-stop data or whatever you know so it just doesn't seem to it seems to me like um like what the ban has demonstrated more than anything is the political negligence or let's say the um like the fact that the neutering of yeah man the fact that like that that class of people or that that segment of society 
is politically negligible from the point of view of the elite. Like whether you whether we ban you or not, like or, you know, you, you there's very little you can do in response aside from like feel bad and like write some snarky articles or whatever. Um, yeah, and to me that's like like OEG is saying. Um, encouragement more than anything to move the battle so to speak offline you know and like to the spaces where the majority of people actually continue to exist you know and to connect to those struggles rather than to continue to believe that you know the revolution will be hashtagged <laughs> no offense to hashtag revolution people i mean they will have their own day you know but <laughs> now, 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 now that now that you say this i mean i i i uh forced to think about i mean the way i think about twitter these days and you know and and it's usually what i mean it's the way it it, it it forms in my head is i can't i can't shake off this whole it's a phrase i mean it's street typical nigerian street power follow who no road mm. you know and so when when you come on twitter and then you see guys with massive following you'd suppose that these are the guys who know road, <laughs> Abi, we, Sabi, <laughs> and and some of them have blue ticks, whatever that means, you know. But if there's any demography that I hear the biggest bullshit from, it's usually that you know, yeah, uh, crowd of you know. I don't want to start mentioning any names, but you know, <laughs> why not? What I keep asking, no, it's fine. I hear I you. I think we'll myself. start mentioning names. I mean, I could. <laughs> no, we'll mention. I think we should start mentioning names um, definitely in our premium episode. So this is this is um, for those hardcore listeners. This is, we should, you should sign up to the premium episode. You want to hear the real gist of who who exactly Emeka yeah, is referring yeah. to? And, and then these guys just and they're just there for their own selfish interests, you know, uh, grow the numbers, um, put it to use by promoting. What, whatever it is that their interests, you know, dovetails with, and and you and you don't see how it, it's it's it, from where I stand, I don't even see how that massive influence that they ma- managed to, to to garner, how you know they can put it to effective use in, in terms of championing, you know, um, um, walking causes of, of 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 the working class, you know, and. But it's also a followership problem because I mean the question that's more um, germane for me is I mean what well, how do you determine who no road? I mean what are the markers you know, to determine who, who you follow? You know, and, and yeah. What what draws people to follow? You know other people. What, what's what's what defines why I decide to follow um, an module, for instance, or um, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. PhD guy, I always, I always forget that guy's name. Anyways, but you know, those, those, I think those are. So, so I think if, if, if we, we, we spend enough time, we, I, we actually do spend enough time critiquing, you know, leadership, but we also don't do as much for, for followership. And 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 this is always this is something that ties into that something that Oeji always harps about, or harps on, which is what's the level of consciousness of people in this. Moment? this country really what's the level of consciousness of an 18 year old yeah um or what's the level of consciousness of a 24 year old young adult i mean what are they involved in politically 
why I did not involve. You're gonna have to speak up a little bit more, man. Stuff, yeah. So I mean, I mean that's for me. That's um, uh, basically yeah. That's for me is the nonsense. Something I I think about when I really think about Twitter, even though um, it's not. I don't I don't flog it. Yeah. But, yeah. So that's why I I I agree with you when you say um. Yes, I mean, if you're upset, go and get a VPN like me. Really? Yeah. I, I would like to add uh, that a lot of the criticisms that we seem to have are about people on Twitter as opposed to Twitter itself. Yeah. And I guess that is that's because I think we all recognize that Twitter is a tool. Um, but the people, the, peop- the interests of the people uh, on it do not align with, you know, reality, I guess. Um, no, it's a mix for me. Yeah? No, yeah, it's not just about the people. It's also about the tool. Um, and, and this is kind of what I was trying to get at, you know, when I was starting to speak about this, is that I think since the Arab Spring, at least, there has been this fascination with what digital the digital age will do for democracy particularly in authoritarian context. Um, And I think that the Arab world has had a moment to process what has happened. And a lot of that initial euphoria and optimism has worn out because like the outcomes of that quote revolution of user, um, like of, of digitally driven movements and stuff have been um, at best disappointing and at worst disastrous right and i'm not saying that's simply about the tool of course there were political forces that drove that process beyond the tool but i think the tool played a role the nature of like the way in which you have to exist on these platforms has an impact on the kind of organizing you can do and so the it reduces people to either followers or leaders in a way that isn't necessarily like does not lead to accountability. It leads to some kind of, you know, weird form of hero worship at best, you know, very often. And that's only one of the issues that people have like highlighted with these tools and how they operate as supposedly neutral spaces where people can just air out their views and everybody's views are valid. Like, Oh, you know, the, the optimists say, it's not like the era of newspapers where you had these gatekeepers that would decide what gets published or not. Now everybody can self-publish, but it's like you still have gatekeepers. They're called algorithms or they're also called like the app themselves, the administrators of the app themselves who delete tweets of presidents at certain moments or who decide that like, oh, OK, because it's going to help our engagement in this particular like country context. Let's like emphasize that particular conversational thread. Um like, so it's not a neutral space by any stretch of imagination. And that became, like, painfully obvious during NSARS, right? When they were like, okay, now we're going to actually actively get involved in this, for better or worse, right? I'm not saying that was all bad. Um, but it seems like the tool itself is not just, like, a thing sitting on the ground that you can pick up and use for whatever purposes. And, you know, the design of the thing, even if it is sitting on the ground, limits the kind of purposes that you can use it for so and I, I just feel like that conversation about the tool about social media and its impact on society is happening in other contexts now like people are becoming a little more critical 
um, of like say Facebook and like disinformation and like Cambridge Analytica and all that shit. Um, whereas we still like on the on the kind of civil society end um, in Nigeria, we still by and large think of these tools as like neutral or as like oh you know digital the digital world will save our democracy or like this is the last bastion of of of, of liberty and it's like yeah really like, as though these guys are not like businesses like shell or nestle or whatever that primarily exist to maximize profits for shareholders you know even if that means it still it happen. still goes uh, sorry yeah it still goes back to the level of consciousness and you know what do we see society as and a lot of people think the way things happen, what the news is made up of, how we report crime, how the economy is structured, how we see ourselves in terms of religion, how we, uh, how our cultural institutions are. They think these things mm. are neutral. And that is why you carry that kind of thinking to the social media space to naively thinking that it is neutral. There is nothing neutral in the superstructure of your country. Religion is not neutral. You've seen with Sharia, mm that is disproportionately, you know, appropriated uh, the punishment on the poor. We've seen that in religious institutions, it's the rich people that get to have a say and they sit in front. We've seen that in the court of law, it's the rich guys that can get the lawyers. and all. So it's the same way we have to look at all these institutions and what we call our social media, that these institutions are operating in a class mm -hmm. context. They serve societal purposes. And if you're naive to think that way, that they are neutral, then you run into certain problems when they disillusion you yeah. at times that it's necessary for them to play that, you know, savior role that you in your brain have um, appropriated to them or that you've given or willed out of your own ignorance yeah. to them. So this is where we have to help people see that you have to interrogate your institutions, know that you live in a context, in a class context. If a poor man steals money, it, there's a certain way the news is reported. If a rich man steals billions, they'll say he misappropriated the money. In that language itself, is showing us that you live in a class society. Like So people should know the functionality of these things. It's not to reduce everything to war, but yeah, it's class struggle. This is what it is. This is the reality on ground. And it's getting so obvious now that the ruling class can do whatever it is that they want to do while they just expect people to sit down and take it, you know. And this is part of the thing, or this is part of one of the things that contributes to the scam mm. nature, you know, of the of the state and its existence itself. Like, we have to understand this thing fully, you know, so that we'll be better I, I... armed to understand, you know, the context we're operating inside of. How you take notice now one talk? So basically, you which is the talk we say na na scam. We say Twitter yeah. na scam, sir. <laughs> sir. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. nine be that. Nine be that now. Nine be that really, you know. Nine be that. I think it's a big scam. You know, on the broader on on a broader context, this is a conversation that is happening about the entire internet as a whole, mm. you know, where um yeah. Early on, we all believe that the freedoms are uh, the freedom of information that the internet age was going to bring us would allow for just more expression, more, 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 
personal freedoms, more organization, mm. better, just better and better and better and better. And we're finding that there are a lot of problems that have been cropping up because of that unfettered freedom, because institutions that we would ordinarily look to for direction are breaking down, you know. I mean, I would say it has been both good and bad because it has also allowed us to uh, see the world in ways that we could never, like, there, there are things about the institutions that we have built that we would not have been able to see without this sort of freedom of information that the internet has brought on. But at the same time, that fracturing of uh, trust in institutions has also brought us to a place that, you know, where everyone, you, there, is a, there is a, I would say there is a sort of mindset where you don't believe in anything other than yourself or believing in anything larger than yourself is seen as a very risky proposition. I don't know if I if, if I make no, that that does make sense. I mean, it definitely has like taking, you know, people are much more like absorbed in. I say people, I guess to be more specific, I think this probably applies more to like the educated and sort of middle and upper middle classes of of our society, right? Such that you know, I think the majority of of people in society actually are not on these platforms yet and possibly never will at least in nigeria right um but but i think for those people who are yeah i mean i think it probably has done a bit to to accelerate the kind of movement towards a more individualized form or consumerist form of engaging with society like through your own online avi rather than through any kind of organizational um apparatus so without getting too jargonistic, people will say I didn't speak too much grammar for, for the podcast, but um, this is what some people call disintermediation. They'll be correct. <laughs> Fuck out of here. They'll be, co- they'll, uh, they'll be correct. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> no, but you know, it's like the, the mediating institutions that used to, like political parties or unions or social clubs or whatever, that used to organize society, at least in the West, you know, and I, I think it's debatable about whether this is true in our context. But, you know, there's been a kind of slow erosion of these kinds of institutions in the 20th century. And in our context, yes, I think particularly amongst the middle class, like, you know, it's like, oh, I'm just going to do church on YouTube or whatever. Like, I think a lot of people are, are increasingly alienated from those kinds of contexts. You know, you, you're going to order your banana bread on Instagram or, or whatever, <laughs> you know. Um yeah, but maybe that says more about me than, than than anyone else. But anyway, I think the the larger point being that um, I think that even even as it's pulled away, even as it's like maybe freed people from being overly trusting in those institutions, if you want to say that, it's also elevated a new set of institutions that are less visible and less accountable than than the ones that pre- preceded them. So, you know, to replace who insert institution that used to be powerful, you know, now have Amazon, which controls a lot of the servers that our data is flowing through. You now have Google, you know, these global behemoths that control a lot of our data, like 
you know, have a lot of influence over um, what succeeds or fails in the market um, and have like humongous amounts of resources and capacity to surveil our day-to-day lives. Um, so if you call that liberty, it's like, yeah, sort of, you know, but it's like kind of maybe maybe it's more trading one master for another. Um, and so uh, that's where I would relocate this I think that, that maybe that's the, the lesson mm. of history. Uh, well, there is there is there is a thinking or an argument that I've heard, uh, basically about the twenty first century. You know, that, and it goes something like um, the world as it is right now, the digital age that we exist in, is not going anywhere. Right? These changes are here to stay, and you kind of have to figure out how you are going to use the, the tools of the 21st century to effect the kind of change that would have been done by other means in the uh, well, 21st century, that would have been done by other means in the 20th century and the 19th century where you know organization was more uh, interpersonal, you know, people had more risk, uh, personal responsibility with the movements that they were starting. There were known positions and leaders that could be negotiated with. I know that I've had conversations with older people who feel that, you know, for example, the, the, the NSAS movement had no leaders and there was no one to negotiate with on behalf of the NSAS movement. Um, what, what, what do you guys think about the idea that, you know, this is the world that we're living in now and the, 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 real, the real problem is figuring out how to do the things that would have been done by other means today? Or is it just there's no way around it? Well, I think there are changes bound to come, especially with the advancement of science and mm-hmm. technology. Uh, knowledge of the world, how things work, you know, the human mind, all these kind of things, you know, that science has given to us and even other fields of knowledge and understanding. But what becomes the problem is if you have a dominant order that is antagonistic to the will of the people, then those tools, in effect, become the things that bar Mm. progress, that, that imperils human Enter, the human enterprise. Look at steam engines. Look mm-hmm. at um, internal combustion engines and all that. They are good. They are, they are good contributions to humanity and they're helping us to you know remove the labor, arduous tasks of walking and all that. But on the flip side of that, advancement is climate change, the destruction of the biosphere, and all that kind of things. And then you see that what becomes the tipping point is the big industry, big oil industry big um, players that want to sell cars and all that, that now are supposed to evolve past this dirty form of um, combustion or this dirty form of energy generation because of their interests and all that. They won't evolve because the dominant paradigm is for profit and maximization mm-hmm. of control. If it was a, if it was an order that carried the whole human enterprise along, you see them quickly responding to the climate catastrophes by 
mobilizing this huge resource they have into cleaner forms of energy but you see oil is still dominant a lot of things that we're supposed to have moved past you know are still the dominant players you know because both in the center of capitalism or in uh, center of capitalism like the industrialized world and all that you will see that some some form of environmental um, awareness kickback um, you know to the way they destroy the environment is high but in the periphery here, like in the um, underdeveloped countries and all that, you start you see the the, the, the destruction of Ogoni land, Niger Delta, and all you know, like they, they do it without any form of recourse to you know even paying or cleaning up. They've been dragging their feet, you know, on the cleanup. You know, so it's not so much about the tools and the advancements, but more about the context that they fall into and how they are being used maybe for domination of the people for profits and what we marxists call you know the, the context of social antagonism like we exist in an antagonistic social mm -hmm. order where to twitter and all these social media tools now become instead of things that amplify our voices that we used to um, enjoy our diversity that should be used to enjoy our diversity and you know, collectively uh, share our views now becomes a tussle once more of power and who can dominate who. And you see that playing even in Africa, Jollof, Ghana, Rice, or Senegal, Rice, this, that, this, you know, like, so it's just the, the vibe that it creates. It's not a human advancement would, would go on, but the kind of advancement would might be the problem and the kind of advancement that we're having in the 21st century is proven to be more negative because of the kind of social order that's existing both locally and internationally mm. now you know so that would be my own submission to that yeah i mean I, I know we're probably pressing for time here you know and surely we can use some of this stuff down the line even if not in the not in this episode because i think it's a lot of good material but um yeah, and in, to respond as well, I should just say that, you know, to the question of can we use these 21st century tools, we being kind of the people, let's say, right, or popular movements, you know, um, that, are, that are opposed to the current economic order. Yeah, I think that I think there are ways to use, like, no... There are ways to use these tools as there were ways to use the newspapers or the radio that also were dominated by like you know economic forces that by and large were not um were not open to the kinds of political directions that the, the masses were interested in right um and they were so those those previous forms of communication um I shouldn't even say previous in our context because like radio is still probably much more powerful than newspaper, not to talk about Twitter in our context. So, you know, we live in all the centuries at once in a sense uh, here. But um, if those tools were able to, you know, if people were able to use those tools and um, by people, you know, I mean the masses or, you know, the kind of the, the, the popular movements were able to use those tools to their benefit, then, there is definitely a way to use digital tools to our benefit as well. I just don't think that we've necessarily seen that model emerge quite yet, um, because since we've the uh, internet usership and social media usership in Nigeria has been expanding, I don't think that 
our freedoms or our democratic rights or um, our the actual distribution of economic and political power has expanded at the same level or in the same manner. So if it's possible to use those tools, which I think it probably is, I don't know that we've exactly figured out how. It's not clear that we've figured out how. Um, yeah, um, let me just add this um, real quick. Yeah, I think that, you know, my own contribution will go this way. Um, it's, for me, it's about the stage of development, you know, um, vis-a-vis the Nigerian demography when you, when you think about it. If we're right when we say that um, the median age in Nigeria is about 17 or 18, it would mean that there are a lot of people who are between 0 and 18 who possibly are not on social media. All right? Um, but, you know, so you're, you're, you're as, 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 as a tendency, I mean, for, I mean, I mean, people essentially who think about the working class or, or the revolution, you know, well, ideologically or different from, you know, the guys who are in power today. I think that it's, it's very useful to, to, to think about the future, you know, and, and think about it in terms of when people who are maybe 17, 18 today, who probably also on Twitter, where I'm, where I'm very sure that's a very small number of them because there are impediments. There's the cash flow. There's what you consider as disposable income, things that limit them. But we also think that as things get better, as they move from one stage of their life to another, they might be able to afford these things. And then the platforms, these platforms of ours, uh, places for spaces for engagement you know um but i think that the real tragedy will be to dwell on this place in this place spaces and not think about you know how to reach people otherwise you know um, where, where they are because i think it was uh Nagu Pote who who in being digital one of those books said that while people think that um the real gulf between those who have access to information and those who don't have lie um, within, you know, the age divide, you know, that he, sorry, not within the have and have nots, really, that he thinks that it's more generational, you know. So I, and I, and I think that, I I mean, it's safe to say that as, as, you know, young people move up the social ladder, they're the guys who would use these tools more, you know, you're not going to be asking a 60, 65-year-old, 75-year-old person right now to, to to give much time to Twitter or to give much time to Facebook. Or those are not platforms. I mean, they they even struggle to use WhatsApp as as they were. But you know, so I think that the way to think about one way to think about it is to understand that we might not be there yet, but that there will come a time when. We might have, you know, actually 40 million Nigerians on 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 Twitter, and that's massive, really. If 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 you have to meet them, you know, there, you know, especially those guys who you think your audience is, guys who you want to um, reach, basically. I would say that before that time comes, the left or the folks who are interested in like economic redistribution and like more political power for the majority, 
need to get their shit together and figure out how to use these tools because otherwise, you know, we're just going to have like the influencers or the like hyper conservative big men who dominate in the real world dominate these platforms as well. Um, that's, that's very essential. Yeah. So, yeah, just noting that we're uh, way over time with this conversation. Um, thanks for facilitating a lot of that. Um, yeah. All right. I think that's a good place to end it. Yeah. Peace. Peace, y'all. Leaders. <laughs> <laughs>